be one roll away from legendary and attend the Rising Phoenix Game Con at the Milford Doubletree, April 21st through 23rd. You can play games, run games, meet like-minded individuals and gamers. Get your tickets now for Rising Phoenix Game Con. Our reality is but a dimension, the uppermost layer in a tower of mirrors. Beneath it are the many reflections cast by our reality, similar but not entirely the same. A staggering number of worlds, lands beneath a dark sun, a world of three moons forsaken by the gods, realms long forgotten, and countless thousands more. You are about to enter one such reflection, a world still recovering from a magical apocalypse, a place where magic is regulated, goblins trade their wares throughout the lands, and the north is dominated by giants. Today, the sun rises over Hymirin and the Wilderin. This is An Acorn's Journey, a DMD story. And now, Chapter 18 of An Acorn's Journey, a DMD story. You set up camp and set your watches as you normally do. And for the first time in a very long time, you get a restful evening sleep. Though, Dash, you are still sore. You have to lay on your side and not on your back. Your wounds aren't quite fully healed. They're still a little tender. As long as I can still manage to get a full night's rest. Morning comes and you feel refreshed. We'll make sure everyone has something to eat. And after taking a few swigs of water, if we don't see a stream, I'll offer the remaining contents of my water skin to Acorn. And I'll fill up everybody's water skins after they're drained. She will take it and drink deeply of it and hand it back to you. I'll go fill it back up again and keep offering her my wine skin or my water skin until she has her fill. She keeps consuming water. Eventually, she will hand it back to you and shake her head no. Aaron could probably use the break. Although healed, he still looks a little worse for the wear. She is almost five feet tall now. Very obvious that she is a female. She stands in the center of camp, looking from person to person, and points east and says, Oma. Well, that's our cue. Everyone's had at least something to eat quickly. Let's go. Make sure the fire is quelched, it's still smoldering, and gather up our things and start heading out. You travel for most of the morning, several miles. Suddenly, the dense forest opens up into a clearing of massive proportions. In the very center of the clearing, there is what appears to be a oddly shaped mountain that looks very similar to Devil's Tower. It is a sheer cylindrical mountain from its appearance. Upon closer examination, it appears to be a tree the largest you've ever seen. The holiest places of the forest are not the standing stone circles, not the altars of dark priesthoods, nor even vagabond resting places. They are where birds' nests are safe from predators' bellies, where trees are in no danger of being felled except by age or the corruption of vines, where the rivers are pure and full of either invigoration or sleep in one grove. The meeting place of every kind of forest is a spring-fed pool, water lilies on the surface. Breathe deeply and listen, and you will hear her song of warning. A lone man stands gazing at a tree of a size unimaginable, his long braided hair tangled with leaf and twig. The fur-garbed druid regards the tree, his face painted with striking blue designs, contorts in a pained focus. His gaze passes over the tree again and again, some inner battle waging behind his creased brow. Littered around the tree are blackened leaves and branches. The tree appears to be dying. 
I'm going to hold the group up for a moment. It appears as if he hasn't noticed us yet. Before we get too far, let's scan their area and see if we can spot anyone else. Close examination of the area reveals that the man is the only person in this clearing, in this grove. Mokui, you should be the one to introduce. And I will approach him, you know, slowly and... Please do it in your language. Oh, I will be. He turns around slowly and looks at you. And in druidic tongue, I'll hail. What troubles you? The tree. It is what troubles me. She is dying, and with it, the world. What can we do to help? I await a seed. And I'll look back at my companions. <laughs> Give them the motion of, go on, go on. <laughs> <laughs> what type of seed? A seed of the tree. They were delivering it. They should have been here weeks ago. I feel the worst has happened. We had a seed. Had a seed? Had? Had. Something emerged from this seed. A child. Gods above, what have you done? It matters not what was done. It matters that we are here now. You are here now, but you do not bear the seed. But we bear the fruit that was in the seed. Bring me a child? Do you know what you've done? No. (laughs) (laughs) Doomed us all. How, How did the... How did the... How did he... How? I heard a voice. Aaron, you might want to move forward with the child. I can't understand what they're saying because it's entirely druidic. And it called to me and it said, Oma. Before you stands the grandmother herself, Oma. And from the seed, I felt warmth. So... The seed is a living thing. As all living things, there is warmth. You did not open the seed, did you? Yes. Why? You should have known. You have been prepared for this your whole life. You've been trained to transport the seed here to this place. I think you may have me mixed up with somebody else. You're not the one? Not that I'm aware of. Then how did you come into possession of the seed? And I will recant him with the tale of the faceless ones chasing down the messenger, shooting him, and he was the one who was carrying the seed, and we came into possession of it. God's above. And you have a child. And I will turn around and I'll call out to Earring. Earring, come up here with the child. Earring will. Then bring the child forward. She grasps your hand tightly in a crushing grip as she follows you. This is the child you bring? When did you release her from the seed? How many days ago was that? It was a long time ago. It's been weeks. I'll let him know it was weeks. Weeks? Weeks? Weeks. Foolish little frog. I turn to the child, point to the tree. Oma? She nods. It responds? Yes. It understands you? Yes. Does she think? Yes. She's aware? Yes. She is able to communicate telepathically, and she has started being able to communicate vocally. And you were pursued? Yes. More than likely still are being pursued. We have no way of defending the grove if the pursuers who seek the seed are still pursuing you. It is but I in the grove. I am the last of the keepers. The last. And there are no other allies you may call upon? I may not. What about Brune? Brune is... He is but one. But he is one more than... Yes, that makes two. But if there are more than two, I am no warrior. We are five. That's seven. Six. Gets better every day. The child. the child cannot fight. You've already done enough damage. I do not know if we can restore Oma to health now that the child is out of the chamber. He drops to his knees and puts his head in his hands and starts moaning. I have failed. I turn to the child and I ask her if she can do anything. She shakes her head no. He pounds his fists against the ground and then stands. I do not know if the joining can happen now. 
how does this joining work? Because we can make it work. Did the messenger not give you any instructions? The messenger was shot dead before we could even talk to them. God's above. The seed, it is what breathes new life into Oma. And I point that seed gave us the child. So isn't that the life that it was meant to breathe? No, the child is a being unto itself. The seed is not. The seed is what breathes life into the dying Hymere. The child, if it thinks, if it feels, the net may not wish. The seed was also a metal cylinder, metal container. It wasn't an actual acorn like you would find from an oak tree. It was metal. The vessel contains a life force and only a life force. It is the energy that breathes life anew into the Hymere. When the cap was removed, Oma began to grow but as a totally different being. If the child feels, if it's developed feelings towards any of you, all of you, it may not want to leave. Perhaps there is an added benefit here. You might just have the foundations of a new sect of druids. Where? And I'll hold my hand out and point at the child, seeing as you are the last. We do not what need better druid a druid than a living tree. We need a Hymure. This is the oldest living Hymure, the only one left to my knowledge in the entire world, and you have managed to doom the entire planet and every single inhabitant of it to certain death. Wouldn't the child also be Hymure? I do not know. I turn to the child and I say, Hymure. She cocks her head to one side and shrugs, still holding her hand with an iron grip. Point to Oma. Oma, Hymure. Acorn, Hymure? She shakes her head, no. Are you scared right now? She shakes her head, yes. He watches her, and tears begin to stream down his face, and then he looks at your hand earring and her tiny hand in yours and slumps back up against Oma, this massive tree, and says we are lost. Do everything you can now before it becomes even later, and anything you ask of us, we will freely give. The child must join with the tree. Then it's up to you and earring to convince the child to join with the tree. I think it, it'll be more up to earring. I think it's up to the child. It is. It can't be up to the child. Yes, one life is valuable, but one life in exchange for all? I'd say prepare yourself for whatever ritual is necessary, and we'll go about it in order. But starting nothing accomplishes nothing. If we have come to a stone wall and that is the end, then so be it. But talking about it progresses nothing. You are a druid, he looks at Moakley. Yes. And come, it is time to start acting like one. Follow me to the stones. And I follow him to the stones. I will, with the child, circle the tree, look at it, examine it, see if the child reacts in any particular way. She gingerly passes her fingertips across the trunk of the tree, that part of the tree that she's able to reach, of course, and has a deeply concerned look on her face. Are you upset about the condition of the tree. She nods yes. Are you afraid that you may have to take the place of the tree? She nods yes. Are you afraid that we will have to part ways? She nods yes. Instead of the negative, how about if she's willing to do whatever necessary to save Oma? Are you willing to do what is necessary to save not only Oma, but everyone across the world? She begins to tremble and doesn't answer. Are you willing to do what is necessary to save Longway? She nods yes. Are you willing to do what is necessary to save Dash? She nods yes. Are you willing to do what is necessary to save Madri? She nods yes. 
are you willing to do what is necessary to save Moqui? She nods yes. <laughs> are you willing to do what is necessary to save me? She nods yes. Let's get camp set and let's make her comfortable and allow the druid and Moque to do what they need to do. And we'll see what is next in the order of things. They're going back to the stone or heading in the direction of the stones we just came from? No. Oh, other stones. Okay. I'm going to go back and I'll let everyone know that I'm heading back about 100 yards the direction we came to set up a watch just in case we are being pursued. If we are, it's going to come from that direction. I don't know if we are. I don't think we are, but I would rather be ready in case we are. We should rotate watches. Just Fine. constant vigilance. Come and get me in, a, in an hour or two. Okay. And I'll find a spot, a stone, a tree, something unidentifiable for distance so it, I can say, all right, right over there. And slight elevation if necessary, just so I can keep watching as far off as I can. The druid takes you off to a series of stones. They're much, much like the standing stones, but they're not arranged in a circular pattern. It almost looks like a library. Row upon row of these standing stones with languages written across all of them. He finds one and says, can you read this? I will try to read it. You can read it. Okay. Yes, I can. You must study this and study it and then study it again, or you're going to need to help me with this ritual. I've never done anything like this before, and there is no indication in recorded history that we have had to perform a joining with a child. I guess I have a lot of studying to do. Yes. So he leaves you standing in front of this massive stone to read it. I sit down and start reading. You begin studying this ancient ritual that does indeed involve a seed, a life force that is released from the the shell, uh, whatever vessel it is that the life force is carried in. The ritual is such that the life force breathes life anew into the tree, but it is a very complex ritual. Give me an intelligence check. Seven. Well, that's consistent with everything that's happened up to now. I, I, it's it's Moqui. I mean, come on. We didn't bring any goats to sacrifice. <laughs> Just assume he's going to fail. Okay, you failed your intelligence check. <laughs> we interrupt this podcast of an acorn journey to talk about our sponsor. You're a new DM who wants to jump behind the screen. Maybe you've been volunteered by your gaming group, but aren't quite ready. What if I were to tell you that I can put a team of professional writers alongside you at your desk while you're prepping your game? Sounds pretty good, huh? With Describe, we can do just that. These narratives vividly describe monsters, places, spells, people, you name it. It's there, and there are more than 6,000 of these easy-to-search-up, copy, and pasteable, beautifully written narratives right at your fingertips. Describe has graciously provided us with a discount for our listeners. Head on over to Describe.com backslash DMD. Use the code DMD at checkout to try Describe for two weeks for free. Links will be in the show notes. And now, back to an acorn's journey, a DMD story. He comes back after several hours and looks at you questioningly. I am not ready yet. It's a lot to read here. Do you understand any of it? I recite the first page. Do you understand it? Not quite. Uh, are there any sorcerers amongst you? No. Priests? No. Wizards? No. Our priests couldn't make it. Another druid, perhaps? No. I'm a ranger. You are the only one I can rely on. We do have a woodsman with us. A woodsman? A woodsman? Just saying. <laughs> As he's starting to sweat more than he usually does. <laughs> and the gravity of your situation slowly settles on your shoulder. Mokui begins sweating profusely, in the, and as the sweat rolls down his body onto the ground, it starts killing everything on the ground. <laughs> your best, I'm afraid, is not good enough. Give me another hour. Another hour? 
this is a big book. You had years to look this book over. I had mere moments. I will return in an hour to see if you have any questions. Okay. Besides, can I have another hour? Do you want me to come up there and make flashcards for you? <laughs> Medri was just going to go over and help him meditate on it. He returns to you after more than an hour, several hours. You want another roll? Yes. It's a little bit better. <laughs> Use the dice tower. I got an eight. <laughs> that is improvement. Well, feverishly flipping through spell cards. There is a dozen. I didn't take it out, but I need a little bit more time. <laughs> Very well. I will return. And I have to go look up the spell. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure Madre and Longway have switched positions on guard because it's been so long. Almost a day. <laughs> And I'll go back and check on, make sure everyone's well, and take a little nap. Uh, by this point, have I lost complete circulation to my hand? Her grip is still quite tight on your hand. Is it, like, painful? Has my hand gone numb? No, or, it, okay. it is like when a child holds your hand when there's a big scary dog about. Okay. Dash, what are you doing? Dash will walk up to Acorn, sit down in front of her, look up at her, and hold out my hands like previously. She takes one hand and puts it on the palm of yours. And with the other hand, I'll motion to the ground. She looks down. Put the hand out. She cocks her head to one side. I may not make you feel as safe, but as long as we're in contact, you know you've got backup. So she'll take your other hand. Now. And then she turns to walk away. She looks back at Earring and motions with her head to follow. Earring will follow. She starts walking out of the grove. I'll follow her. Past a sleeping long way, past Madri, and into the forest, where she continues to walk. Madrid goes with them. In time, the keeper returns. I will cast guidance on myself. (laughs) And now I roll a natural 20. (laughs) Good use of guidance. I am ready. (laughs) You think you are. You don't know what the DC is. I am ready to start reading. What was your total total number? A 20 is not a guarantee. It's just a big number. Remember, you're not counting. It would have been 23. What was your guidance roll? One. (laughs) (laughs) Very well. We will begin the ritual. Let's get started. So he starts bringing out scrolls and bottles of very viscous liquid and starts placing them at the base of the tree and begins giving you instructions on the ritual. He opens up a book, flips it to a page, and begins apparently reading it. He's tracing his finger across the lines of writing. And then the silence is broken by the call of a horn, a very familiar sounding horn. As the horn sounds, there is a strong breeze that swirls about Oma and the grove. This immediately wakens you, Longway. I wake up. Um, something has awakened me. I look around. I see no one. <laughs> Except for maybe at the base of the tree, depending on where they decide to set up their little ritual. None of the other party members are around, and I hear the horn trailing off. Okay, I'm going to put my hand on the hilt of my weapons and survey the area and see if I can find any of my allies. You see Madri disappearing into the dense forest. Occasionally, you'll catch a glimpse of Earring's blue toque. Okay, I'm going to look around and see if there's anyone around the tree. You can, at first, make out the druid. It takes a great deal of concentration to make him out this keeper of the grove. And then, alongside of him, you make out the tiny frame of Mokui. 
who is scanning the tree line. I'm going to hope the people going into the tree heard that horn and will come back. And I will run over to where Mokui and the keeper are and ask them if they are prepared for the ritual, because I don't think we have any more time. Shortly after you enter the forest, you hear that familiar sound of a horn, the horn of the faceless ones. It seems they have found you. Does Acorn react? She immediately stops dead in her tracks, looks to Erin. They need to return to Oma. She puts her head down, grabs your hand, and appears to stomp off towards the tree, were dragging you, you behind her. Were you taking us somewhere else? Can you tell us what kind of place you were going to take us to? Away. Away from here. She nods her head. Why? Someplace safe, someplace away from the faceless. Someplace away from Oma? She nods her head, yes. Acorn, you're no longer a seed. You're now a young sapling. The choice is yours. If the faceless ones catch you, they will kill you. They will kill me. They will kill all of us. They will kill Oma. Then they will kill Oma. She puts her head down and continues to stomp off with you trailing behind her towards Oma. I probably am being dragged at this point. Choice made. I'm going to run up to her and stomp right along with her. Two little stomps for every big stomp she makes. Shortly after you make your way down to where Mokui and the Keeper are, you see Acorn emerge from the forest looking angry and dragging Earring behind her by one hand. She's followed by Madri, and every now and again you can see Dash struggling to keep up with his short legs. Well... Wonder if he tried to drag her off to save her and she decided to turn around and come back. Good for her. And I'll start walking my way towards them. When I get close enough, Madre, you and I, we are the shield. Brother. Brother. Longway and Madre proceed to the outskirts of the, the grove and the horn sounds again. The keeper gives you a concerned look, Mokui. What is that? That is the faceless ones. They're here. We need to hurry. We need to hurry. We, we need hours of preparation. It's either that or it's going to be a long battle here. Shakes his head and sets to work frantically, appearing agitated with you, even more so than normal. Dash, what are you going to do? Longway and Madri have taken up a defensive position on the outskirts of the grove. What are you going to do? I reach into my furs and pull out the medallion of Brother Eagle and grasp it tightly and say, seems like now's about the time. And I attempt to think of myself floating so I can look Acorn in the eye. You do not float. And I motion to her. She bends down. And I give her a little peck on the forehead just in case we never meet again. And then I run and climb Madri. She watches you run and clamber up Madri's shell, taking up your usual position atop it. Madri, as I climb your shell, there are going to be a couple of wet drops hitting on the way up. You peed. <laughs> gotcha. Earring. Earring turns to the child. Do you want to fight with us? And motions to the book. She nods her head. Yes. All right. I will bring her over and have her stand next to Madri, and I will stand to her side, taking outermost flank. The five of you form a line on the outskirts of the grove. The horn sounds again. And you begin to hear footsteps crunching through the forest. Mokui. Yes. The keeper is frantically working and he's barking instructions at you. You can tell that there's tension and fear in his voice 
as he busies himself for the ritual, he begins to flip pages in the book, finding one he seems to be satisfied with. He places a stone on top of it and begins to read aloud the contents of the book. It sounds like a very intricate spell. Occasionally, he'll reach his hand out to you, and you'll hand him a vial of one of the liquids, and he'll pour it into a stone bowl, and it will sizzle or it will spark, or there will be cascades of butterflies, jumping grasshoppers, and all manner of small insects. He begins to chant louder and louder and louder, rubs a muddy mixture around the inside of the bowl that you handed him. From your positions, you see the first wave of faceless ones come. They're all foot soldiers carrying bone spears and axes. They're wearing armor made of bone and leather, humanoid bones. It is truly a terrifying sight as they exit the forest, row upon row of them. This stance is ill-advised here. We need to retreat. We need to put Acorn next to the tree. Madrai, you and I are going to stand out front. Erring, you and Dash are the second defense. Anything gets through us, it's to you to stop them before they get to Mokwe, the Keeper, and Acorn. The child wants to fight. I don't care what the child wants. The child is the hope of the world. If she falls in combat, all is lost. We do not even have a chance. You need to get her to the tree. Why don't you tell her that? Acorn, I hope you can understand what I'm saying. She nods. You need to go to the tree. You need to be one with Oma, or all is lost. She shakes her head and points to Earring. Earring will be with you. But if you are destroyed, if Oma is destroyed, Earring, all of us, everything you've ever seen and known will be destroyed. You are the hope of the world. She stares at you a moment, looks to Dash then Madri, then Mokui by the tree and grabs Earring's hand and drags him along with her towards the tree. Long way. Yes. What ranged weapons do you have? I have my bow. Do you have any others? Yes. Well, provided you didn't burn it. I didn't burn it. We burnt as as little as we could. Uh, Let's outfit both Dash and the child with long-range weapons. They're Uh, longbows. Neither of them are going to be able to use what I have. I'll take my short bow and give it to the child, and I'll take your longbow. I haven't jumped down yet. I can give it to you, yeah. The, give it to the, Dash. Yeah, the child has the like, well, it can be used as a rage weapon. She's not going to know how to use a bow. She's never tried. No, and I can mimic. Attempt. Mimicking is not going to be enough. A sharp okay. bow. We're, we're moving back to the tree as this conversation range. goes on. Yeah. The faceless ones begin to move slowly towards you, menacingly, as they begin to fan out. When we get to the tree, I want to make sure that Herring and Acorn are right next to the tree, hopefully at the disposal of the keeper when he needs her. Erin and Dash will hopefully stand to each side, and then Madre and I will move out about 10 feet forward, and that way at least the important people are encircled. Erin will have a defensive position in front of the child. I will take the bow and the quiver and jump off Madre's back, heading towards the shelf mushrooms so that I can get a little elevation over everybody's head. Okay, you easily climb up the shelf mushrooms find an appropriate vantage point where you can rain arrows down upon any enemy approaching the tree. Having watched my friends in combat before, I take all of the arrows out of the quiver and stick them into the mushroom around me. Okay. Earring takes all of his arrows out of all of his quivers, puts them into the ground, and takes his longbow out. I'm used to drawing my arrows from my quiver, so it's on my hip. Madri takes the spare longbow and gets ready for combat. Mokui yells for Madri to come over here. Madri turns and runs to Mo. I'll give cast heroism on him. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be gone in less than a hit. 
What do I get for that? Uh, 16 hip temporary hit points, and you're immune to the frightened condition. Cool. Mokui waves his hand at Madri, and there is a swirl of magical energy that engulfs him. Madri, you feel fortified. You feel unstoppable. Earring will shift into his feline form. And before Madri leaves, I'm going to use enhance ability on it and add it to his, uh, I think it's Cat's, Cat's Grace or Dexterity. What does and that do? I'll tell you in a second. I got to look it, it up. It gives you advantage on your Dexterity checks. Like everything with a Dexterity? Yep. So everything that I have has advantage? Yep. For a Dexterity check, yes. No, Dexterity check is if you have to make Dexterity save. I- when they get about 65 feet away, provided they're not have broken into a run, I'll take two steps forward, brandish my weapons, and call out to them. They begin to slowly walk towards you and Madri. Earring will drop in a quarterback stance and with a roar transforms into his feline form. I haven't fired a bow in 5e yet. Is the height advantage plus four still enacted in this game or no. have they gotten rid of it? <laughs> good question though. This is a good question. Yeah. Yep. Especially considering I only get a plus one on that one. It's my first dex weapon. As the chanting of the keeper grows to this crescendo and the leaves begin to swirl around the tree, you can hear horns sounding in the distance. Or crunching through the forest, the keeper raises his arms to the tree and looks to you and says, bring the child. I'll go out there and Acorn, follow me, please. She looks the earring. Go. I will follow. And with my gloved hand, I will take her by the hand and lead her to the druid. You lead her back to the druid. This is the best we can do in such a short period of time. He raises his hands even higher and begins chanting. He looks to you as if to give you instruction. And just then, a spear plunges into his back. (laughs) The tip protruding through his chest splatter of blood on the tree and he looks to you and says oh fuck and we'll leave it at that for this <laughs> join us next time as the adventure continues on an acorn's journey a dmd story thank you to our cast frank whedon ben petrie bill robitaille louis aponte sin morse and your dm scott a special thanks to you our listeners You are why we do this every week. We'll see you next time in the dojo.